Well, I am so excited about being here today. Uh, uh, it's just fun when, when you start talking to Chris. It doesn't take him too long till he comes and tells you about the Calvary campus and, uh, and what God is doing here and how he's just uh, excited about that and excited about each of you and, uh, and wanting all of you not only to, uh, to uh, grow in Christ and your knowledge of what he does here in this place, but also how God is working around the world and how you are part of that whole process. So it, it's fun to be here and fun to get to, to see you. I, I have a special privilege on the back row is some of my closest friends. They served with us for a long time in the Middle East. The Crawford family is back there, and uh, they drove a ways down here to be persecuted once again by me. Uh, they've had a lot of years of that, so it, it's fun. I'm glad that uh, they, y'all also had us and them here today. Uh, it is a, a great privilege, though, to, to be with the people of God in a place, and, and I know a place of his church coming together, growing together, gaining mission vision uh, that will have not only uh, the typical understanding of missions, but will go deep in missions. Knowing that missions begins right here where you are and, and trying to reach out and, and see the people in these neighborhoods around you come to know the Lord and just be energized by that. And, and then all across Tulsa and then all across Oklahoma and to the ends of the earth and that the Lord is going to keep lifting your eyes up and helping you see uh, the fields white under harvest. So I love being in a church that has that as its, its heartbeat. We thank you for a number of ways that, that you are on mission because uh, there are people who are sent by the Lord through us, through you, uh, to be in the highest mountains in the world and the Tianqin Mountains, for example. Uh, some of those are peaks are over 20,000 feet and uh, beautiful but most remote places in, uh, on the planet right up there. And maybe uh, you go down from there into the plains of, uh, of, this, of Siberia and there are people literally in those kind of places and they thank you. Are in deepest parts of the, the the big deserts in Africa, all the way down to to the Cape, or all the way down to to Cape Town, all the way across that great continent, and and as your church is experiencing in Colombia and other places in the Americas, and all the way through Europe as well. So you are part, and those people, first of all, want to thank you for praying, because when you pray. Uh, God has a very special place for the prayers of the saints to go, particularly as it relates to reaching all peoples. Right before it, there in, in Revelation 5, 9, it talks about where the, the, the prayers of the saints go. It goes into a bowl before God, and it becomes an aroma before God. It, it, it is something that God treasures and is precious to him as he is working in and through that around the world, as Jesus has ransomed for him, for God, people from every language, tribe, and nation. And he is sending us out. We go first in prayer. And, and as we pray, God does also stir our hearts up to, to give. Uh, Jesus does say that, 
you know, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And, and as we're trying to seek the Lord and, and seek how we can please him, he wants us to put some of our treasure into his global mission. And thank you for doing that. It makes a difference. And you go. Uh, I know your church has different kinds of mission opportunities, both local, regional, and international. And, and I thank you that you're going. You, you see, as Southern Baptists, uh, we are seeking uh, to, to grow in this over the next years. We, we set a goal that between now and, and 2025, we want to grow with 500 new missionaries going out to the ends of the earth. And, and it will take all of us working together to grow both in prayer and in finance and with people ready to go. Somebody in this room might be some of those people that God is preparing to be ready to go at some different point along that way to be in the places that God wants you to be. But God has a place for each and every one of us in that whole process. You know, the big picture of history says that, you know, not only did God create the world, but he still loved us when we chose to rebel against him. You know, there in Genesis 3, it's the saddest moment in all of history because there Adam led his wife Eve and they chose to, to, to try to be like God in their life. Not to be the creature, but they jumped in there with full-on rebellion, and they walked away from what it meant to be in harmony with God. And, and that, what did that result in? It started, by the time we get down into chapter 4, we already see that the brothers are killing themselves. And, and on and on and on, we see we're trying to be the God of our life has created so much mayhem in the world. Today, we turn on the news, and it's just filled of the consequence of that decision to take that on ourselves. But, you know, as we were singing in Christ alone, we, we talked about that most single important moment in all of history because it was the moment that, that it came in reverse. It got turned around. Uh, the, the separatedness from God now had a final solution that would allow those who had walked away to come back. Jesus comes in the 17th chapter of John, and I trust you have your Bible with you. And if you have it, you can turn to it or tap to it or however you get to it and find your way into that 17th chapter. Right there, Jesus is talking right at the begin of the beginning of the most important weekend in the year. You know, if you were an Alabama fan, yesterday wasn't that important, but if you happen to be a Louisiana fan, you might think that that was the most important day in uh, a lot of football history. Well, this weekend, this weekend when Jesus is beginning... This is the most important. This is the moment when, when the battle is at its peak and we see him win. Right before he goes, he prays this prayer and we have the privilege of being able to, uh, to hear it and to know it and to think about it and meditate on it. So go with me as we, we look into this verse, these verses of scripture starting in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and he said, Father... 
the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you send. I have I've glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and, I, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and they have come to know the truth that I came from you and that they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who you have given to me, for they are yours. All mine is yours, and all yours is mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves, that I have given them, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you may keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify in them the truth. Your word is the truth. You sent me into the world, so that, and, and so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Right here is a place that we need to go and spend time. We need to spend time meditating on, thinking through. Uh, you, you know, if Jesus hadn't come and hadn't done this, we would have no accessibility to know God. I mean, God is totally inaccessible except that he came and revealed himself. So as we begin to look at this passage of scripture in this moment, and Jesus is letting us know exactly who he is, who he is and what he has done, he has given us the very formula of life. So when we come to this passage and we begin to look at, at the heart of our mission, uh, which is the mission of Jesus and the one that he has given us and that is the authority to grant that he has to grant eternal life so what is eternal life let's get to that question as we're moving into there so what is eternal life it is to know who 
to love the only true God and Jesus Christ who he sent. Uh, we see in a little while, just in the same passage of Scripture, that Jesus tells who he is, right? Because it goes on right down there and said, Restore me into the glory in your presence that I had when? Before the creation of the world. And then he goes on a little further down in there and said, some, he says something that we all can say. All I have is yours, God. But then he says something we cannot say. Everything you have is mine. Because only the Son can have everything that God has. Now, we have many things that he, God has given us, and we can enjoy that. But this speaks of the uniqueness of the very presence of God, the exact representation of God in human flesh so that we might know who he is and he has revealed himself to us. That is where the news comes. And so when we get to know him, that's where life comes. That's where we begin to think his thoughts. That's where he begins to shape who we are and how we are able to, to move forward in him. It is not simply a factual knowledge. It is a knowledge that, that shapes your very being. You know, there's one kind of, uh, of thing that I know in my own life that, that sort of gives a glimmer of what this is about in knowing God. And it happens when you have come to know somebody that you're going to give your life to. And this January, December the 26th, I almost caught myself getting the wrong date there. We're going to be married 41 years. And when we make 41 years, I'm still going to remember that first day. We're in a Baptist church, and it was... About, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon and the light was just barely coming in, the long rays of mid midwinter time there. Uh, it was, it's a fairly big church there. We had people from everywhere all over this little town. My father-in-law had been the pastor there and he and my mother-in-law had probably done a thousand weddings. I got, that might be an exaggeration, but not much. And then I was related to everybody in that place. And so it was packed. But when that music came and they opened that door and I saw this lady who's sitting down here at the front row standing back there nobody else existed in that room at that moment all I had eyes for was her and as we have lived together and worked together uh, now I catch myself doing things and I go why did I do that oh because she's thinking I should do that across the room because her thoughts have become my thoughts her direction has become my direction she has shaped me I it is not just it is not just a simple thing there after a time you be you you get to where you're not exactly sure where you actually begin and the other person ends because you are one flesh you learn that well this is what it, it, it means to know God it, 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 yes he does save us in an instant when we give our hearts and lives over to him but but he wants us to come into that kind of relationship with him because in knowing God we have life and relationship forever and ever and ever and that is the good news of the gospel the good news is that we do not have to live in death bursting forth from that tomb, right? I mean, that's amazing. And, and, and sin has lost its grip on me, right? Uh, no scheme of man or power of hell.
can ever pluck me from his hand. I get that. It is an amazing thing that God is doing for us. It is literally good news. It means the difference between living with God in relationship. The opposite is living without Christ. Oh, that can't be living because life is found in Christ. What do we know from Hebrews chapter 4? We know that Satan has one power. He has the power of death. And those who follow him, they follow death. And so what he has is bad news. The opposite of evangelism, which is about good news, he has bad news. And what Jesus wants us to be about is getting the good news out. But good news has a lot to do with timing. Uh, my wife and I, we moved to North Africa back in the early 90, 90s. And um, in our second year there, we rented uh, an apartment from a man named Monsieur Bricky. He lived over in France, and he, was, he, he had a, a regular job, but he had built this two-story house and two apartments that he rented. And we had the top floor. Uh, we had some conversations with him. He would be in and out of the country, and one uh, summer afternoon or sun, summer morning uh, in our, about our second, our second year there, um, I got a message from his nephew that he, Monsieur Bricky wanted me to come to his house. I, I knew it was something uh, out of the ordinary, uh, so I put on my a little bit better than average clothes because I felt like it was probably going to be something going on. And I got to his house, and there was a crowd there. And the people were gathered around, but he stood out there all by himself, which I thought was strange because I was thinking, this appears to be a funeral. I went out there, he grabbed a hold of my hand, and he had me stand there, and I never left him. And people would come to him, and, and, and they would be saying things like, haram. And, and, and when, in Arabic, that means, you know, this is forbidden. You know, uh, for a person to, to commit suicide just because of depression or failure in life, it, it, it's, it's forbidden and, uh, in the Muslim and uh, religion and those kind of things. And so it was a hopeless moment. There wasn't like uh, uh, things that I've experienced time and time again as a, as a Christian. When I go to a Christian funeral and I would be there and, and there was the hope of that good news and that good news having penetrated into the life of someone and we knew that that was not the end and we could comfort one another with the comfort with which we have in the good news of Christ. There was none of that. We sat there and it was harder. And I, as I stood with him, we felt the weight of that place pressing in in that moment. And to this day, my heart and my mind is, is tattooed with the sound of the voice of, voices of Nadia, his daughter's mother and sisters. When they begin to pick her body up and carry her down and go towards the grave. Because I could hear them yelling, Nadia, Nadia, Nadia. And you know, at that moment... My news wasn't great for her. It was bad news. 
You see, we as the church need to make sure that, that God is getting us in the process of delivering the news in time around this world, pushing ourselves out because the news is essential. The difference between getting the news on time and getting the news on after, at the wrong time, after death, uh, doesn't matter. Everybody will know that Jesus is Lord after they die, but we want it now because it's the day. It's the day of salvation. That is a dri driving force. We've just recently done a study of people around the world. And we know where there are Christians and where there are not Christians. And where there are believers. And we have a pretty good idea about how to figure all the, the statistics out. But we have come to the conclusion that every day, 155,252 people go into a Christless eternity with bad news. And that is a number that cannot stand. We need to get the gospel there on time to people who are coming. 7.5 billion people live on this planet. God gave us the privilege of living when this many people who are made in his image but have been marred just like us, pervasively marred with sin just like us who need a savior. And we have that knowledge. We need to carry it to them. I was on in several years ago, I was on the border of Syria up in northern Lebanon. And, and as I was there, we were going, we were doing stuff. And I remember sitting there on, on a porch in the afternoon. We'd been doing things all morning. And, and this lady came up to us, a covered lady. She and her husband came up and, and we began this conversation. And, and, and her first question was, why do you not say peace be upon Jesus, when you speak to him, speak of him, we honor our prophet and we say peace be upon him. Uh, why? And we even say peace be upon your prophet. And I said, well, there's the problem. Jesus is not a prophet. You see, you see, the reason we can't put peace upon Jesus is because he's a prince of peace. He is the source of peace. All peace comes from him. And I cannot give him something that he has to give me. I can say, magnify his name, glory be to him. I can do those things of worship, but I cannot give him something that is his to give me. As we began to have that conversation, her eyes opened as we moved through those days. And, and that afternoon, she and her husband both gloriously prayed to receive Christ as Savior there. And in a few weeks, I heard it's back from her saying, you know, it's terrible and as hard as this war is. When I came out, there you guys were with the good news of the gospel for me. It made it worth it. You see, that's what we're about. That's what we're driving for. That's where we're going. We want to get the good news to people. And that could be in your very own home, in your own very town. It could be in your state. It could be in America. It could be literally in the 7.5 billion people around the world. And he calls us to be together, together working on this. Because, you know, one day, not only has he given us the privilege of, of sharing this great opportunity, he's given us the responsibility to carry it. He said, so I send them into the world, just as you sent me into the world. And he says that uh, he's the one who's praying for those that we share with that word, for them to believe. And, and so we cannot ask for a greater, greater prayer warrior on our side than that. 
but he wants us to take it. And you know, just like it says there in Matthew 25, on that last day, on that last day, when he comes back, just like he gave the illustration for the, the man with the ten talents and the man with the five talents and the man with the one talent, those that took their talents, whatever their talents were, and used them, and they multiplied, and he gave, they gave them back to him. He said, welcome, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful with these little things. Now enter into the joy of your Lord. But the one who held, it didn't turn out so good. You see, he wasn't pleased. So there's not only privilege and responsibility, but, but we, believers, who have our salvation provided for us free as a gift, also have been given a responsibility for which he will come and ask us, what did we do with it? But, you know, all in the midst of this, as we're on mission with him, what does he say? He prayed this other prayer for us. He said, I'm coming to you, and these I speak, uh, coming to you, these things I speak in the world, that they may have, what? My joy fulfilled in them. And so the task of mission is not a task that is joyless, but, but what, what is Jesus' joy? That's what this is about, Jesus' joy. And, and you can go and look over and find a really clear reference to this in Hebrews chapter 12, right there at the very first verses. You know, there it gives us that great picture of we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And those of us who have our loved ones in Christ who've gone on, we, we relish in that very verse because it speaks of their knowing, their being still knowing and knowable but there he gives us a wish a, 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 a instruction it says set aside everything that weighs you down get rid of all besetting sins things that you say uh hold me back from doing what i know god set them aside let them go and put our eyes on jesus and run the race towards him because he is the author and finisher of our faith why because he for the joy, despise the shame and suffer the cross and is now at the right hand of the Father. You, you see, when we go at it and, we, and we're on it, there, there is great challenge in everybody's life as we seek to carry the gospel out and people want to hold us back from it and there are things that will slow us down. But God has a plan. I was recently with a guy named Sukhdeo Singh in northwestern India. And as I was with him, this brother has gotten it. And he's carrying his stuff around with him. And he shares with them such amazing stuff. As I, I listen to some of the people that, that have come to faith with through his ministry and how he carries the good news. And, and when they start to believe and uh, they're coming on board, he gives them a, 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 a copy that they put on their simple phones. And uh, they can listen to the Bible. Many of them don't even read. But he's carrying the gospel to them. And they listen to it on a regular basis. And, and when they get back together, they discuss it. And they get the good news. And they start working. And they, they all are sharing and moving and multiplying. And, and all of that was started because someone just like you left a Southern Baptist church and were sent to that place that they may have the gospel. My wife often asks me why I like action movies so much, and I do, I confess that. And uh, 
I was watching one recently. I didn't really know the context of it so well when I started. <clears throat> but it's called Hacksaw Ridge. And it's about this guy named Desmond Dawes. He's from over in Lynchburg, Virginia, not too far from where we live presently. And uh, he, through various circumstances and several beliefs that he held, he decided that he could never take a gun and shoot and kill anyone. So he refused to pick up a gun because he had made an oath to God that he would never use a gun. But he said, I have to go. Well, that causes a whole lot of drama. You can see the story as it unfolds. And uh, there's probably many issues there. But that wasn't what got a hold of me. When he went with them, because he didn't want anybody going fighting for his freedom, that he wasn't willing to go and stand alongside and do his part. He went as a medic. And, and there they are coming against the enemy. And there's this huge cliff. And they, they climb up Hacksaw Ridge. And he's up there, and the battle is going, and then there's a sound of retreat, and, and those that could climb down that, that wall, that cliff. And he's there, and he's putting blankets and pushing people over there, and he's rolling their guns up as a harness, and he, he pulls them, and he lets them down this thing, and, and his hands are just getting bloodied from from letting him down with this rope and he was going on and on and on and it's all through the night but something he said right there in that moment just drilled into my heart because he stopped there and he asked the Lord he said Lord let me get one more and he go and he got one more and one more uh, the commander came to the hospital the next day and he saw all these wounded people who were being treated and whose lives were being saved. Uh, he even saw some Japanese over there that he'd also let down. And, and they said, well, how did this happen? How did these people get off of that ridge? How did they get there? And they said, Private Doss, he, he let them down because he wanted one more. The next day, there are not the next day. It seemed to be sometime later. Uh, they were preparing to reassault that hill. The plans were set. And if you uh, watch the movie, you see where the commander calls and said, Why haven't you gone? The time has come. And they said, No, we're waiting on Private Doss. He's over there speaking to his God. And we're not going to go without him. The men are not going to go without him and his God. When he finishes that, he closes his New Testament, puts it in his pocket, and they go. You see, we all need to have that. Lord, give me one more. One more spirit. We, we need to have, Lord, help me get one more person. Lord, help me go. For two reasons, for the one more person that we get, but for those that we inspire to go along with us to, to take up that same thing and go and know that there is no place, no, no power of hell, no scheme of man that can, can stop the gospel moving forward when God's people choose to carry it to the places that most need it. And that is into the hearts and lives of people. You see... Today, as we're looking into our own lives and we're having the privilege of worshiping together, the Lord is constantly coming back and looking at us and saying, what's your part? What do I want you to do? How do I want you to serve me? 
All service begins on our knees. Don't despise prayer. My mom passed away in April of this year. And, uh, and in her latter years, my mother was a wonderful woman. And uh, we were, I just had many, many meaningful moments with us. And uh, as she lost some of her power to be able to, to remember things, uh, there was two things that were right at the top of her thing. She, she wanted to know, did you know Jesus? And she wanted to tell you that eternity's too long to be wrong. And she spent her days, because she was immobile for a couple of years before she passed away, praying. Praying for that good news to go out. Uh, it all begins on our knees before God. It goes as we cry out. The battles are won because Private Doss went before God and asked for the power to go forward. People waited for him to talk with his God before he moved forward. Well, that's just a small image of how the gospel moves forward and why we should pray. And then out of that, he carries us to the other things of giving and going and sending. Your church has that potential right here. And Jesus, as he's told his disciples there in John chapter 4, he said, lift up your eyes. The fields are white unto harvest. This is our day. This is our time. Uh, I just thank God that he brought us into this room together today to think through what he has prayed would be ours to share. That news that if you know the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom he has sent, that eternal life is free for those who would believe. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for letting us be here together.